0: welcome to the upper 90 football podcast providing american coverage and opinions on all things football i'm justin ruderman and i'm garrett post and garrett we can start today with our game of the week it was the merseyside derby and your very first in attendance at goodison park it ended nil nil but it was a thrilling match way more entertaining than that says so Tell us about it, and how was your first experience? Yeah, I mean, it was unbelievable. Um, if you guys have not watched the vlog for that, it is out now. Be sure
1: to go watch it. Um, just an incredible experience, Justin. The atmosphere before the match, the, the coach welcome was insanity during the match. Just the passion of, of the game was incredible. Um, obviously... With the way that things panned out, I would have taken a point before the game, and I, and I said that in the right. vlog. But with the way that things went, you know, it was a bit disappointing to have the win kind of snatched away from us a little bit. But overall, yeah, it was a thrilling game, end to end, so so open. I mean, there were thirty-seven shots in this game, Justin, without a goal. I mean, there was a goal, but it got it got ruled out for offside. Obviously, um, Liverpool hit the post or hit the woodwork three times. Tom Davis hit the woodwork. Um, there, it was very physical, very intense, a lot of poor officiating on the behalf of Anthony Taylor to absolutely nobody's surprise. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was just, it was a whirlwind. It was incredible. It was emotional draining. I I got back and it was, you know, we got back here at like 3 PM and I was absolutely knackered even though I hadn't been awake for that long (laughs) because it was just the, you know, the emotion, the expenditure, And then, you know, the limbs for a goal that didn't end up counting. So that kind of sucked. But overall, yeah, unbelievable. And I'm so, so glad that I got to go.
0: Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. It was an incredible experience sitting front row there, uh, you know, feet away from some of the best players in the world. Um, But as you say, 37 shots. I believe that is the most without a goal or second most without a goal since the beginning of last season. Um, the other one being a Brighton game, so Neil Maupay was involved in both. I wonder why, considering he missed a 0. .6xg chance, the best chance of the game, obviously Everton's best chance as well, it was, you know, dead center, basically top of the six penalty spot, and he just completely was unable to finish, um, which is very unfortunate, but it, it came... was a good save by Allison, to be fair but yeah, but he has to finish that. Yeah. And, that and that was my worry when, when Mappe came to Everton, I said, you know he's coming from a team that underperforms XG constantly. He underperforms XG himself generally, so he that's not something Everton to need it starts off in this game uh, as well. but no, it, it came on the counterattack for Everton, which is where they found all of their space uh, and you know they shut down the wide. Uh, movement from Liverpool really really well obviously Uh, the fullbacks played very well but it was also the midfielders coming back to help in those wide positions made Liverpool go through the center with that you know young midfield without Thiago they struggled there uh, and that's how uh, Everton were able to find the draw even though maybe they should have found a win
1: yeah yeah I thought the performance overall was fantastic I was really pleased with what I saw especially considering there's still a lot of key members of, of the team missing like Yes, Malpai's finishing is not a strength. You know he's a backup striker. Like it I am not that's why I'm not too fussed about it in terms of the signing overall. He had four key passes in the match. He w- he outran every single player on the pitch. That's a stat oh. for you. He he covered the most distance. So I still think he's a good signing in terms of the identity of what Lampard wants, which is hardworking players, because my word, some of the ground that players like it will be Onana, Mikolenko, Patterson were covering in that match was just phenomenal and you know if there's one thing that you're going to get from everton it, it's hard work and, and i really love that Frank lampard's building the identity of the team around that and the fans respond right when someone goes in for a tackle someone closes someone down
0: goodison responds yeah no that's an incredible stat i didn't even know that because yeah. when you're a striker and you're covering the most ground i mean generally 90 percent of the time it's just going to be a midfielder yeah that's positionally makes sense yeah so if that, that is very potentially telling.
1: a winger potentially a winger if they're bombing up and down right
0: right but very generally not a striker you're very rarely going to see that so very telling stat there as well um, but yeah we also had a couple other match vlogs Barcelona um, against Real Valladolid, de and they smashed them you now with that Lewandowski back heel you definitely want to go watch that one Oof. Exactly. Uh, We also went another Everton game, but this one was away at Ellen Road against Leeds. That was an an incredible atmosphere from both fans, so definitely check that one out as well. And then we've been going to so many games that we went to one today before this recording. Another match vlog will be coming at you uh, the day after this is released, so Wednesday. Um, But it was Manchester United versus Arsenal at Old Trafford, and it was uh, a fantastic game, wasn't it? It was Anthony opened the scoring on debut, uh, by the way, the hundredth Brazilian to play in the Premier League and the youngest Brazilian to score on debut. So uh, it was just really good because United were poor in the first or sorry, they were very good in the first 10 or 15 minutes. Yeah. And then Arsenal took over the game. And that's when Anthony scored though on the counter attack. And well, that's-
1: but, but remember before that,
0: Martinelli had the goal yeah, ruled out yeah.
1: right by a, a foul on uh, by Odegaard on Ericsson, which I've looked back at it now. It looked a foul at, at the time. It, it's still probably a foul, but it's definitely not as clear cut as I thought it was. But um, one of those
0: where maybe VR should be yeah, overturning
1: yeah. ones on the call. We'll get to <laughs> VAR in a bit. But that was that was honestly uh, that was the turning point, like in Arsenal's favor. Like they they had that counter. Right. Like United were dominating. They had that counter. They scored totally against the run of play. It gets called back, and then that woke Arsenal up. And then they were dominating the game. And then United scored on the counter against the run of uh, against the run of play. So right. yeah, it, right. it was. I mean, it was also another talk about. We've been getting treated to some very entertaining
0: matches, haven't we? Yeah, absolutely. And then it was Arsenal in the second half, just completely dominant. I mean, all oh. over Manchester United. United. United were still in the changing rooms by the 60th minute. Yeah, and. But again, on the counter attack, and it was Bruno Fernandez with uh, just a peach of a ball. I mean, it doesn't get much better than that, does it? Uh, to play in Rashford, and he finished it off, and then Rashford got another one to bury it on the counter attack when Erickson you know, just passed in for a, t- a tap in for Rashford. Um, but Arsenal's goal coming from Saka, by the way, on yeah. on the back of that domination, and then United countered. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, just. Arsenal probably deserved more. I mean, they were the better side to me in the game and they still, you know, were not able to just finish their chances and then just got hit three big chances for uh, United, buried them all and United were unable to do, I mean, Arsenal were unable to do, so excuse me, Um, but Bruno Fernandes, since his debut, that makes 23 uh, assisted in open play which is the most of any player in the competition. More than Kevin De Bruyne, 22. More than Mohamed Salah, also 22. More than Harry Kane, 21. I mean, he is ridiculous and i know a lot of those came in his first season right but still to be at the top of that list is is very impressive
1: no i thought he was stand out today and, and he also had the pass through to erickson which led mm-hmm. to the third goal which was perfectly timed no i thought bruno was fantastic and it's not like he had a ton of the ball but he used it so effectively when he did have it Um and speaking of erickson justin he won man of the match he was fantastic playing as like a almost like a six or an eight, like something we're not used to seeing him play next to McTominay. And I thought he was really good. Obviously, they struggled a bit to, you know, put in tackles and win the ball, especially at the beginning of that second half Mm -hmm. when Arsenal were dominating. But when Erickson did have the ball, I, I don't... Recall him misplacing a pass. He had some fantastic passes through the line. For example, the one that led to the first goal by Anthony, it was Erickson who whipped the ball into Bruno, Bruno to Rashford, Rashford to Anthony. And that was like, if you're a United fan, that's music to your ears watching that goal. Those players all
0: link up and combine to score, you know, just a, a brilliant team goal. From Arsenal's how, perspective. How was, sorry, how was Erickson one man of the match when Rashford had two goals and the assist? Well, because, I mean, it's a good question, but I, I mean, I did think Rashford wasn't great
1: in the other things that he did like he he did lose the ball a good amount i mean i understand it's a bit outrageous to say yeah but on over but when you're talking about a 90 minute performance erickson was more consistent than rashford was High and low, and high and low, right? So, but Rashford made a match for me that's It's all a, I it, No, say. It's, it's a good point. It's a good point. And Rashford was the cutting edge. But I did think Ericsson was really good playing in a position Very, that he's not used yeah, to. Yeah, McTominay
0: right? as well. 100% pass accuracies.
1: Yeah, it's... no, McTominay was great. But from Arsenal's perspective, they just, their shape at the back has to be better. Like, it, it was, it took one good pass and United are throwing goal, right? Yeah. Like, it, it was way too easy. I understand if you concede to clinical counterattacks, but it's not like, these counters were particularly difficult for United to execute. It was one ball through the lines. And oh look at that
0: two on one with the keeper. Yeah, right? Just giving the ball away in really bad areas. Yeah. And then you're, you know, short men defending. Yeah, right, right. Absolutely. And then Justin, we
1: can talk about, I guess, two other games that we went to <laughs> at the Etihad because we were there for palace. Um, last Saturday that was yes. And then, um, Forrest on Wednesday. We did vlog the one at Palace, if you haven't seen it, go watch it. And we didn't for the one at Forrest. But, I mean, it was the same Just because outcome. we weren't
0: sitting together, unfortunately. Well, we weren't <laughs> sitting
1: together. And it was also... We had so much other content coming out, which you should watch. And, um, <laughs> I mean, but it was the same story. Holland Hattrick.
0: Yeah. Holland Hatrick. Absolutely. He is... I just feel like anybody who doubted this guy, there's so many, you know, YouTubers or supposed, <coughs> Rory Jennings or supposed pundits who acted like this guy would have a problem fitting into the league. Acted like, you know, he's just a Bundesliga guy. He's, you know, maybe not as good as everyone says. Nah, no, he is top tier in the world. He can be put up there with Kane, Benzema, Lewandowski. Talk about him in that tier because he is absolutely unstoppable. Um, but what I, but anybody who doubted him just should not even be allowed to speak on football anymore. That's my opinion. (laughs) I mean, it was the most obvious
1: thing. It was like people were just overcomplicating it, trying to say, Oh, like, no guys,
0: one plus one equals two. Exactly. Like. It, it, he doesn't need a ton of touches. He doesn't need to be dropping deep and, and connecting play, which I thought he did very well against Villa, by the way. But separate point, it's he's not. That's not what he needs to do. He stays in the box. He stays within the width of that six-yard box, and he just is always in the scores. right position, even after deflection, whatever it may be. He knows where the ball is going. All the time he has now scored 10 goals in his first six premier league appearances for manchester city that is the joint fastest to reach 10 goals in history alongside mick quinn all the way back in december 1992. so the, the first ever season of the prem right yeah. exactly so he is yeah just stop doubting this man he is gonna if he stays in the league long enough he's breaking alan shearer's record Ooh, that is it i mean I don't.
1: I, I honestly don't think he'll stay in the league long enough. Well, that's the I, question, right? Yeah.
0: That's the question. I, I
1: think Kane will
0: break that record and keep it for quite a while. Kane will break honest. it, and then if Holland stays in the league long <laughs> enough, he'll break it. But hopefully he just stays at Man City for the rest of his career. We'll see.
1: <laughs> we'll see about that, Justin. But one of the big talking points from this weekend in the Premier League was
0: VAR. Yep. Um. I mean... There's just so many decisions, right? It started with... So many bad decisions. Right. Right. Well, the the big one for me was West Ham's equalizer being ruled out uh, for the Bowen foul on Mendy. First of all, it had no effect on the uh, on the outcome of the play.
1: Other than, than Mendy getting to writhe around on the ground in pain instead of getting up and well, trying to was, save something he wasn't going to save in the first place. He was faking
0: that anyway so he could draw the foul. That was the whole point. I mean, David Moy said it after the game. Just ridiculous. And, he, and Moyes said he did it for the first goal as well. So I don't know about that, but... It was never. Thank God God that one stood, by the way, because I was also just bad goalkeeping. Yeah, but it's just, it's never, ever a foul on Bowen there at all. And for you to say it's so clear and obvious that VAR overturns it, it is ridiculous. There was also the Newcastle one uh, where Tariq Mitchell just pushes Joe Willock into Vicente Guaita. And he's called for a foul. Uh, I don't know if that has any impact yeah, on the play yeah, either. Jo- jo- well, Joe Willick was called for the That's foul. That's yeah, right? yeah, yeah, Joe Willick gets called for foul after he's shoved into Guaita by, by by Mitchell.
1: Yeah, and and that and VAR. And this is not a case of VAR overturning it when they when they shouldn't. Right. It was that they didn't overturn it. Right, they exactly. said, "Oh, it's a foul on the keeper." Yeah, cool. Play on. Like what? No, it's not a foul on the keeper. He shoves him into Guaita. The ball goes in. How is that Joe Willick's fault? It doesn't make any sense.
0: Yeah, it, it just doesn't. There was also the Van Dyke potential red. So some marginal offsides like Brighton. With offside, I get a little bit, you know, it's not a, It's not about VAR. It's, it's about they're doing these lines and do you trust the lines? I mean, that, that's your own opinion. But for me, you know, you can't just criticize, you know, technology so much as, as you can criticize using the technology incorrectly. And that's what I care about with VAR. You're overturning things that shouldn't be overturned and you're not overturning things that should be. To me, VAR is, football is simply better without VAR.
1: Yeah, I mean, to me it comes down to Justin, if you give a blind man glasses, he's still blind.
0: Well right? yeah, it's because
1: these these are crap refs. Yeah. So giving them more opportunities to be crap doesn't change how crap they are. Like it's just <laughs> it's not logical.
0: No, it's it's a good point, but it's to me, it's always just re-reffing the game, refing it for a second time. And as you say, they're they're gonna get calls wrong. They're not the best refs necessarily at all, but Calls are always going to be wrong. It's worse though when you have you know th- three, four, five looks at it and you're still getting it wrong. That, yeah. that to me is ridiculous. I know there was also some calls about Coutinho because like, that had nothing to do with VAR though, by the way. Um, no, but also like you know, City's entire team stopped. But yeah, yeah. exactly. But that was just that was just poor um, assistant refereeing is Ex- all that was. Yeah, right, exactly. But that's that's what I'm saying. Like that will always happen, and we just have to accept that calls are not always going to be correct. But it's worse when you have five looks at it and it's worse when you know you have to abide by this clear and obvious rule that is just never abided by. So
1: apart from these super entertaining games that we watched and, and went to, and all these horrible VAR decisions, Justin, we also this week, High transfer deadline day, right? Yeah. So a, a lot of moves happening, of a course, at the lot. end of the window because teams <laughs> love to leave their business late, mine included, right? And mm-hmm. um, But we can start with some Americans, Justin. Love it. John Brooks, so, you know, it seemed like he was going to be going to Mallorca, yeah. right? Where um, where Hoppy was for a while, right? And so it looked like, okay, maybe that's, it. that's an okay move for him. Goes to a mid-table club in La Liga, but... He ends up U-turning and goes to Benfica Mm -hmm. on a free transfer. Um, And I really like this move for John Brooks, right?
0: Yeah. I absolutely love this move. I think it's a lot better than Mallorca. Yeah, agreed. Um, And most importantly, as U.S. fans, and, and to John Brooks himself... It's about, can he make that World's Cup squad? Can he change Greg Berhalter's mind? And what does Greg Berhalter always say? He so, doesn't fit the system. He doesn't right? fit the system. We need to see him play in a system that is similar to the U.S. in club. And while I think that's ridiculous in itself from Greg Berhalter, because you know you, the player doesn't control what system he plays in a right. It's just ridiculous. But more importantly, this is that. Benfica play a very high line. And that is what Greg Berhalter wants to see if John Brooks can do, because that is what the U S men's national team does. Right. So if Brooks can succeed and show Berhalter that yes, I can play in a high line, I know how to do it and I will not have an issue despite my age at you know, 29, eight years old, 29 years old, I think he'll do it. I think he'll, he, hopefully he can change Greg Berhalter's mind because he needs to be in Qatar. Yeah, I
1: I totally agree with everything you said, and I think we can just talk about the next American, which is Serginho Dest, who you know we didn't get to see play for Barcelona when we were there last weekend, and um, but now he's left, which I think is is a good move for him because Xavi just just didn't play him simply, and we need him to be getting minutes before the World Cup. Yeah. But he's gone to another big club uh, in, in AC Milan, obviously defending champions in Serie A, um, and it's a loan with an option to buy around twenty million euros. I really like this move as well.
0: Yeah, I, I like it as well because hopefully it, it will open up some playing time. But the issue for me is that he's, I don't know if he's going to be able to start where we want him to start, right? Because he's not going to displace either of the fullbacks at AC Milan right now. Uh, and so I
1: think Florenzi's displaceable personally. He's been kind of a journeyman. And I know they have Calabria as
0: well. Calabria's their captain. Uh, I don't think Calabria is getting displaced at all. No way. florenzi's is not their starter. Calabria is their starter. I don't think any chance Calabria gets uh, displaced, and neither does Theo Hernandez, in my opinion. And so, for me, it's most likely he just gets put on the wing because Salamacar probably hasn't been fantastic. You know, I think he gets pushed up into the right wing, which. It might be fine for his career, but it's not good for the U.S. men's national right, team. Right, because we don't need him to be playing as a winger. Right. We need him to be playing as a fullback. That's and a it good would, point. I didn't, I didn't think about that. And it would be great in Italian football as well, because that is where you learn to defend, right? We've heard so many players say it. I didn't know how to defend until I went to Italian football. That is where they teach you to defend. And that is what Serginio Dest needs to learn. So if he gets time as a fullback, I think it'll be fantastic for him. But if he gets moved up to the wing... Uh, because you know he has great attacking ability, I just don't think it'll be as great for the U.S. men's national team.
1: No, you're bringing up some really good points. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens there. That's actually a really interesting thought. I, I wasn't quite thinking about that about him potentially being played as a winger. Obviously, we have a huge crop of wingers. Like it's not what we need. Right. We, we need, need a, we need a, a right back. Right. We need a starting quality right back. Um but Justin willion mm. has returned to the Premier League. This time with Fulham, so the third London club that he's played for after, obviously, uh, Chelsea. And then that really strange move to Arsenal, which did not work out in any (laughs) way, shape, or form. But um, he terminated his contract with Corinthians back in Brazil. He's come back to England. um, But, I mean, he's 34 at this point. It was a free transfer. But to me, this just kind of screams like he's going to do nothing and then just leave in a year again. Like It's a pretty nothing transfer to me.
0: Yeah. You're probably right, just because, I mean, why are Corinthians agreeing to terminate his contract if, if he's if doing he's, if, he's pre- any good. if
1: he's Premier League starting quality. Yeah, if he's <laughs> any
0: good. If he if he's good enough to play in the Premier League, he's, you know, smashing it for Corinthians. Right. Um, you know, no hate to Brazil. Obviously, very good league. But, uh, but yeah, I, I just don't see this being a big impact for Fulham. Not like it's going to keep them up or anything even close to that, so... No, yeah, I if anything's
1: so. going to keep them up, it's going to be Mitrovic. So.
0: But you know a signing that could keep a team up, Garrett? Your club signing Idrissa Gay back from PSG, the 32-year-old Senegalese center defensive midfielder. Uh, it was just a minimal fee. I think only 2 million pounds, if I'm correct. I mean, as Evertonian, tell me about him. Yeah, I mean,
1: we we know exactly what we're going to get out of him. Obviously, three years older than when we sold him. But, Justin, we, we sold him to PSG for like 30 million euros. Yeah. Um, when he was in his prime. Well, yeah, but now we've gotten him back, and from what we saw yesterday, when he came on, he looked like the exact same player. He he was, you know, strong in the tackle. Positioning was fantastic, and actually, he looked he looked very good on the ball. He didn't, you know, have any giveaways. Or all his passes were well placed, um, and and you know that's probably a benefit from training with a team like PSG for three years, right? Yep. Um, he definitely got more time on the ball than he would have had he been playing for Everton for the last three years. Yeah. But you say like oh a sign that could keep us up. After yesterday I don't think we need anything to keep us up. I think we're going to be totally fine.
0: Fair enough um, because you also brought in James Garner right? 21 year old English midfielder from Manchester United highly touted right uh I think the, the transfer fee was lower than I expected. I mean, there are some add-ons, 9 million pounds, but six and a half in add-ons. Right. Uh, there was a rumor to buyback, no buyback nope. for United, which is a huge L yep. for them. Uh, they do have a 15% sell-on, but that is you know, not even close no. to imp- as important as a buyback.
1: No, I don't understand it from United's perspective. Obviously, I'm very happy about it. And the yep. fact of the matter is that this is, this is a, 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 like a future signing, a depth signing. This is not a now signing. He doesn't get into our best 11, in my Ooh. opinion. No, I mean, it's got to be... The Onana. midfield depth
0: at Everton, oh, though, it's is, fantastic. is something like we haven't seen so, in many years. So,
1: like, my first 11 would be Onana, Iwobi, and Gay. Okay. And then you have Garner, Ducore, once he's back fit, Alan, and Tom Davis, who can all play there as well. So, like, that is some of probably the best midfield depth we've had since I became an Evertonian. I can't right, think of a, of a time. A decade. Iwobi. Right, seriously. Um, so, yeah, I, I think both of these are really, really smart signings. Obviously, we wanted another forward, didn't get him, but but DCL should be back this week. So I'm very, very excited about that, and, and I think that will elevate pretty much everything. Because as much as Maupay was good on the ball, we, we did need someone when we were lumping it forward mm-hmm. because we didn't want to play in deliverables press. We needed someone who could hold the ball up, and that'll be DCL. But... Um, yeah with the core of players we have right now i'm not worried about us going down to be honest and yeah. one other thing i forgot to mention when we were talking about the Merseyside side derby jordan pickford man he oh, yeah. was sensational yeah, in this yeah, game some yeah. unbelievable saves england's number one undis- undisputed like Ramsdale's a good keeper and all but the amount of disrespect this man gets and i've been saying it for a long time but he's on the back of my shirt for a reason <laughs> justin uh just a fantastic performance and as much as you know we could have won the game and we were disappointed not to we easily could have lost it if it weren't for just a heroic performance from him
0: yeah just on that topic the the only issue for me with him and you know whether in England or whatever is his passing ability and that's where Ramsdale has generally been better not recently though um, so Yesterday was uncharacteristic, is one thing I'll say. Pickford's usually not that bad. It would be tough to be that bad well, on a ob- regular ob- basis. Okay, obviously. He was just punting it out of bounds and, and back to Liverpool. Yeah, he was knackered because he was saving our ass every 10 minutes. Well, he needs to save them constantly if he's giving the ball away every single time. Like This is why Edder- people always criticize Ederson, but he doesn't have to make as many saves um, because he doesn't give the ball away back to the other team. So, uh, But on that topic, switching from your team to my team, Garrett... We brought in Manchester City, Manuel Akanji, the 27-year-old Swiss center back from Borussia Dortmund, a 17.5 million euro fee. So pretty low, pretty low. Yeah, pretty low. I, I'm, I'm pretty, you know, just. Interested to see how this goes. I don't think it's. I think it's a good signing, but I don't think it's necessarily huge. Uh, Pep Pep seems it's. Pep seems to think it's more necessary than I do because right now he's saying you know we can't live with two center backs because Laporte is injured, Ake is injured, Uh, and so that's why he's saying we can't just you know live with. I mean, you have Kyle Walker as well, but. He's better. He can't like he, We don't have a backup full right fullback though. Okay, that's true. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean that is a good point. So I, I, it makes sense from a depth
0: thing. Yeah, like, especially like, when Ake can then go play a fullback right. position if if need be. It it just is a, a big depth piece, I think, in the back line. And so it, that with that, yeah. I like it. He's like um, your
1: fifth choice center back though.
0: Right yeah, right. But but if it allows Ake to move to a fullback, then he's fourth choice and, and maybe he gets some, you know. I just think it's a good depth piece. Uh I don't know how much it will you know, impact the actual season, though.
1: Yeah, but one season that is definitely being impacted is Wolves, <laughs> Justin, because they signed Sasha Kalajic from Stuttgart for 18 million euros and um, up to 20 million with add-ons. And then he tore his ACL on,
0: on his debut this wow. weekend. Wow, um, so unfortunate. Literally in it. the first like, 25-year-old striker that just yeah, like, no, got and, his and, big move and wants to and hit it.
1: And it's literally the exact same thing that happened when he moved to Stuttgart. His, yeah. uh, in his first game, he got injured, wow. and now it's happened again. And so now they're sniffing around Diego Costa of all people on a free. Apparently, he's flying in England right now to do like a little fitness trial type thing, maybe train for a day, see if they want to sign him. But this <laughs> see if his reeks age is- of yeah, but it reeks of desperation from Wolves. Yeah. Raúl obviously, you know, has not been the same since his head injury, but he's also been struggling with other knocks. He didn't mm-hmm. play this week because of a groin issue um i'm concerned about wolves to be honest they're still good defensively even though they gave up connor cody for yeah. next to nothing yeah but um man it, it it seemed like a good signing but you know we're not actually gonna know for like a year at this point
0: yeah uh, you just feel bad for players like that who just a un, very unfortunate injury and at w- the worst time possible um yeah as far as costa yeah you say It reeks of desperation. I mean that that's what it is. Wolves are desperate. They need something because their main striker Raúl is out. Now they're the striker that they signed to replace him out, and so they're desperate. They'll find anybody, and if Costas, you know, fit enough, if he if his age isn't too impactful on his ability to you know play ninety minutes, then that's what they have to do okay well if that one is
1: obviously desperation i'm going to ask you this question is chelsea signing a bombing desperation
0: from their perspective no they think he's going to be the one to break their number nine curse i mean he is a big signing the question is to me is about the fee i mean as Per Ornstein seven and a half million euros about with Marcos Alonso going the other way as part of the deal Right, um, but Marcos Alonso is not a big make you know make weight not that big of a deal You know Fabrizio Romano says 14 million euros. That's a big difference. Whichever it is though. It's not a big fee um, Aubameyang obviously going from Arsenal then to Barcelona and then to Chelsea crossing the London divide uh, but Yeah, I think that it'll be very interesting to see uh, if he can do well. Because under Tuchel, right, at Dortmund, uh, with Pulisic also, by the way, he was very good. 79 goals in 95 games at Dortmund under Tuchel. That is ridiculous output just absolutely absurd and so if he can come anywhere near that for Chelsea it'll be a it'll be a completely I mean, smash of a signing if he can even come
1: anywhere near how he was in his first 3 seasons at Arsenal yeah. cuz he was he was incredible he won the golden boot he you know there was a time especially during lockdown when they won that FA Cup against against Chelsea mm. right where the next season we i think we both predicted bombing to win the golden boot yeah. and then he fell off a cliff but like he was a world class player for most of his time at Arsenal, or, or at least the first couple of years, right? If he can get anywhere even near that kind of form, it'll be a huge boost for Chelsea because they're relying right now on Ben Chilwell off the bench to get their goals and assists and save them from losing against West Ham. So.
0: <laughs> but the question I have then is, can he break the Chelsea number nine curse? Because we know that number nine has been a cursed number at Chelsea. I started with Crespo, Torres, Falcao, Iguain, Lukaku, you can go on and on and on. Is the bombing the one to break the curse? No, I,
1: I just don't. I just don't see it. I think, I don't think it's really an Aubameyang problem. I think as much as this goes well before Tuchel, I think it's a Tuchel problem. I think mm. that's
0: Chelsea's problem. So, so, but if Tuchel goes, which could
1: I mean, happen, I mean that is that is true potentially. But like at this point, I can't make a prediction on whether he'll he'll break the number nine curse based on the pretense of the manager leaving. Right. Fair enough. In terms of, is he the answer to Chelsea's current predicament? I don't think so. I think he'll do. Okay. I think he'll do. Okay. But he's not going to break the number nine curse. He's not going to like smash it and be 2018 a bombing again. No.
0: All right. And then a couple records from the transfer window. Uh, we can start with my team Manchester City recorded the biggest summer sale in Premier League history with hundred and ninety three Million pounds in sales with a 60 million pound net profit I mean, you know, everybody always hates on city for spending 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 now a net profit while in my opinion improving the team uh, are city the best run team in the world
1: You've set me up here, but I'm going to say, yeah, I'm, I mean, it's, okay, well, let's look at like the, the biggest, most successful club. Okay. Well, I think in terms of biggest, most successful clubs, yeah, you could look at some smaller clubs who have done the things that they've done, which mm-hmm. is more impressive than what city have done. Probably But is it like though? you look at your Brentford's, you look at your Brighton's like, these are tiny, tiny little clubs who have done incredible things.
0: You guys have still spent a lot of money. Yes. You've sold. You, a say, lot, that, but, you say that though. We say that though. We've spent a net spend over the last five seasons of 111.62 million pounds. That is the sixth lowest in the Premier League. Okay, but that's ignoring the fact that you spent like 600
1: million the five years before that. Like... Like you, you, but you, how many of those players are still position.
0: impacting the team? You, you wouldn't few. be
1: in the you wouldn't be in the position to to be doing this and and be able to sell players sustainably like this and stay at the top if it weren't for what you did. Before. That's true. So I'm not like I'm not saying you're not one of the best well-run clubs. I'm yeah. saying you definitely are. And in terms of the most successful, I mean, you look at Barcelona. No, you look at <laughs> Real Madrid. No, like debt, 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 debt. Yeah, but, Bayern I mean, are the you one. You could say Bayern. Bayern, say. very well-run and, club.
0: Very well-run
1: club as much as I hate to say it, it's not like Liverpool aren't obviously no. their expenditure is a bit higher, but the way that they got from where they were like the first season under Klopp with Lazar Markovic and Adam Lalana being injured every two games to where they are now and have been the last few seasons. They've also done a really good job, yeah. but you know, yeah, city have done a fantastic job. It's been an incredible window for them, both in ingoings and outgoings, you know, Defensive depth aside, maybe because you could still use a bit more. Like you need it could, a right. It could back. have been more too. You if, need you need a right back. Like
0: yeah. Well, that's why I think yeah, Kanji and then Ake moving maybe. Yeah, I provides. I'm, I'm, Ake provides.
1: fullback's an interesting one. I don't know if I've ever watched him play fullback.
0: Before. He's yeah. He's done it. He's done it more on the left. But if he, even hmm. if he goes to the left, Cancelo goes to the right. We also have Joshua Wilson Esprand, the academy kid who can play right. the left as well. Or so
1: what about uh, Rico Lewis? Yeah, he's yeah. <laughs> But we I, saw we saw him play on Wednesday.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I trust Wilson S. Brand more. Um, Speaking of spending,
1: spending, spending, though, Justin, the other record is Nottingham Forest. Oh man, bringing in an entire new club essentially. <laughs> um, they really did though. Yeah, they. You know, they just needed to pull up Brentford and get a brand new stadium, and then they they would have basically completely overhauled their entire club.
0: No, um, but four I mean, four signings on deadline d- deadline day: Willie Bali, Josh Bowler, Loy. Bade, if I'm pronouncing that right, and Serge Aurier. And all that's,
1: le- that's less than a quarter of their total transfers oh, yeah. this summer. That man.
0: made 22 transfers this summer. That is absolutely mental. Think about that. 22. That's that's two starting 11s that they brought in. <laughs> that's insane. That broke the previous record, which was 18 by Crystal Palace also in 2013. Insane. Yeah, that is also insane. Absolutely. But that means they signed a new player on average every four days. <laughs> What is this? What is 150 million pounds? They, this they window. They lost
1: 15 players to be fair,
0: so they did yeah, have right. a lot well, to replace. Yeah, well, they let them go because they knew they were going to be a game Well, and also players on
1: loan, like James yeah, Garner, yeah, one of their and, best midfielders. Yeah, like and people like a bunch.
0: There were a bunch of loans, absolutely. Uh, Nico Williams, and then right. uh, and Brisamba left, of course. All these things, but still, you're spending 150 million pounds. That is more than PSG. That is more than Real Madrid, and that is more than what people consider one of the biggest summers, Barcelona. I mean, that is the class that they're spending in right now. That's more than they have spent, Garrett, in their entire 157 year history combined. This is getting more and more ridiculous with every sentence. Every stat. I'm just pouring <laughs> the stats on because it's mind boggling. Do you know what's the most mind
1: boggling thing? They're still getting relegated.
0: Oh, man.
1: And I'm but like, that's they, brutal. No, but they are. But they are. You look at the way that because they, played, can't like, right they can't defend right now, can they? They can't defend
0: at all. The like, most they're... expected goals conceded in the and, league. And what they did yesterday against
1: Bournemouth? Oh my God! I mean, Bournemouth are already mid-table in the championship essentially at this point, <laughs> right? And they have a 2 0 lead at the City Ground in their, I think, their second ever home game in the Prem for the first in, in like over twenty years, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And they concede three goals in 36 minutes and lose the game 3-2 i
0: mean no it's it's...
1: i I rate the job that steve cooper's done right Oh, he's been absolutely he has a huge mess on his hands to clean up because you know you can't just sign 22 players and have it gel immediately if Forrest stay up it's not because of the quality of the players it's because of steve
0: cooper that would be the reason Mm, interesting i mean if they can put Bali and Aurier in the back line, maybe that can, you know, s- solidify Aurier. them a bit. Well, he's, okay, more than Willie Bollie is as a center back and maybe solidify things a little bit. Uh, obviously, Premier League proven and, you know, has that experience, but that is what they need. They need to solidify defensively going forward is not the issue. Um, so yeah, Steve Cooper has done an incredible job. If he can keep them up, all the more credit to him.
1: Yeah, and then with that, Justin, moment of the week and that's how we'll end off the episode and and i'll start with speaking of the transfer deadline day one of the craziest transfer sagas you will ever see <laughs> bomba Dieng, the striker for olympic marseille right yeah. agrees a deal to go to leeds right they, okay. they needed another attacker bamford hasn't been firing they wanted someone to play up top and they have a deal agreed he's in the airport and then him and his agent pull some funny business and And he ends up negotiating with Nice and agreeing a deal with Nice. Leeds are under the assumption he's on his way to England right now to complete this deal. He does a 180, goes to Nice. Leeds are pissed. They go end up signing Nyoto, right? But he goes to Nice and fails his medical. (laughs) He fails his medical. Karma. And then then the next day, turns up back at Marseille training as a Marseille player after all that. Karma. Insanity. It just honestly hilarious. Like when, Because I saw the whole thing about, oh, Nice have you know, hijacked the deal. Leeds are furious. And I was like, that's that's kind of funny. And yeah, then I that's... saw Dieng fails his medical with like an hour left in the window, window. Fab tweeted it. And I was sitting on the couch over there just straight up laughing out loud. I like,
0: hilarious. This is what you get for trying to pull one over on Leeds United. What goes around comes around, Bamba Dieng. <laughs> Absolutely. I love that. Um, my moment of the week was... Arsenal fans after their win against Aston Villa they were they were criticized you know earlier for celebrating their start to the season too much so what did they do (laughs) they started to set off fireworks after the win (laughs) so good just absolutely peak taking the piss I love that type of shitehousery. it's it's fantastic from the Arsenal fans they didn't have a great day today but that one was fantastic Uh, all props to Arsenal fans for that that is hilarious
1: And with that, Justin, that brings this episode to a close. Thank you all so much for watching or listening. Be sure to follow us on all our socials. Uh, Go check out those vlogs. We have so much more content coming very soon. So keep an eye out for that. And we will see you all next time.